Um, this is VHS Cult. This week I'm Kyle Teardrop because I'm the king. The king cry baby. He's the king. king. Oh, yeah. and, I don't know, being all emotional again. You're crying and shit. Whatever. Not a big deal. Yeah, because Trump lost and real sad about it. Oh, uh, no. Uh, no Donald Kyle, he's the <laughs> one savior of America. He's going down the hole now. <laughs> oh, God. Immigrants are flooding over the border. We're all dead. Uh, no, I mean, I, I do still think that the uh, the machinery is operational and doom is still mostly assured, but I'm glad that Donald Trump's not president anymore. I just don't know how big of a change it's actually going to be. I'm it's going to be <laughs> shit, not a, shit's going to get done if McConnell's still in charge. Of the yeah, Senate. I'm a wait and see kind of guy. I do think um, at least having a more competent president and like a fully staffed government will at least make it so uh, the next pandemic isn't quite as awful. But beyond that, it's like, eh, I, I, just the machinery of American capitalism, I don't think can be unearthed and it's going to continue to cause the same problems it's always caused. And um, most of the things that I worry about um, are not solved by Trump being removed from office. It's great that he's not in office anymore just because fucking why should a piece of shit like that have any Anywhere respect to that yeah, yeah. kind of power you know I mean? yeah i just don't think it's the ultimate solution <laughs> but it's great though um it's cool everyone's celebrating yesterday and stuff I it was I like could, the uh, end of fucking return of the jedi though uh, yeah i don't know for some reason i just was like oh i don't know you know what i mean <laughs> like i felt like i said i feel good that trump's gone but it's just like all my other worries are just nothing's changed with that but well, I talked about this about with with mom and like we I even um, you can kind of hear the podcast last week and get a little bit of that from me. But I expected a much bigger victory um, for Trump. Oh, for, for oh I think that's pretty concerning too. Yeah, yeah. So my like, if you told me um, in 2016 that Biden would run in 2020 and he would essentially flip the map, you know, he'd get a five percent mm. of the popular vote, he'd get Georgia and Arizona get 300 three hundred six electoral college votes, I'd be you know I'd be happy about it. Right, yeah. but then you throw in like a pandemic where he fucking did nothing. Yeah, that should have. Well, that's he should have. He should have lost in a goddamn landslide. Yeah, you. Well, yeah, I was. Thinking, what happened is that they successfully propagandized the coronavirus pandemic and turned it into another fucking uh, battle in the fucking culture war. Well, yeah, I mean everything is culture war at this point. Probably, like, yeah, because everyone was hoping for like a swift repudiation of Donald Trump and fascism writ large right but like that didn't happen there's great voter turnout but more people voted for trump than last time you know it's like the 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 rot in our country goes very deep getting rid of trump's not gonna fix it and i don't know that either party seems to be capable or even interested in fixing a lot of the problems so well i mean 100 percent Republicans are not interested. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be the ultimate both sides guy. Where this, the Democrats are slightly better than the Republican Party of the United States. 
But to me, they are still Senate right party and they don't seem to have the initiative to actually do anything for the people most of the time. And I'm gonna, they, to be frank, even if they have the initiative right now, they have none of the they don't have any of the power because yeah, just the fact that the Republicans control the Senate and Mitch McConnell doesn't have to bring a single vote for almost anything to the floor means yeah. that not shit's gonna get done unless it's through executive action, you know? Yeah, plus still two more months of Trump. Um, and he's lame duck president, but on? yeah, so there's not two more months as the pandemic gets worse in the United States. Um, that's not gonna be solved for two months, it's probably gonna get worse, and then it's we'll wait and see what happens after that but I, it's not i understand why everyone's celebrating i get it but it's like i don't know nothing's fixed <laughs> you know i'm still really worried all the time <laughs> but it's, i don't have the power to change anything so i try like not to um i don't know let it ruin my day all the time but it's just you know some days it's just it's brought into stark relief how doomed we are like someone t- tweeted like yesterday like oh instead of doom scrolling today i feel like i'm hope scrolling and i just want to be like all the dooms are still there <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and honestly if i'm happy i'm not usually on twitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then like proposition 22 got passed in california there's a push to nationalize it the orchestrator of proposition 202 for uber is kamala harris's brother-in-law and her niece also works for Uber. So, you know what I mean? The crossover with the corporations within politics is so, so deeply intertwined that I don't have a lot of faith in um, Biden or Kamala Harris. So, I don't know. Coming to I mean, soon to your like, town You shouldn't is, have a faith in any politician, to be yeah. honest. You know, you constantly have to push them. That's the whole point. You know, uh, this whole we elect someone and then forget about it for the next four years is how we end up with this bullshit constantly is because everybody tunes out as soon as the election. Yeah. Over. Well, that's what my concern was yesterday is like, I didn't want to interrupt anyone's celebration because I get it, but there you can see there's tons of people that are already ready to tune out and it's like, fuck you. But I guess we shall see. It just feels like coming soon to your town. It's an app that replaces your God. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. it honestly seems like the vast majority of Americans would be perfectly happy with that. I get well because you do people's material concerns are always like the most forefront in their minds, right? Like you see it like so Florida went to Trump, but they also voted to raise minimum wage. You know what I mean? Right. People want free health care. They want higher minimum wage. They want debt forgiveness for college and stuff. It's just like like you said, they've been propagandized. Like, oh, that's scary socialism. But if you don't mention that it's a socialist idea and you're just like, doesn't this sound pretty cool? Everyone's like, yeah, I'm on well, board. Well, that's the whole reason uh, Yang started calling the uh, universal basic income the freedom dividend, right? Is because yeah, he realized that yeah, he, branding is mm-hmm. important. Um, you got to trick all these fucking rubes into accepting socialism. Yeah, that's like, I, I, that's kind of, was kind of a, why I was nervous about Bernie and in, in, in Warren to a little bit less of an extent, um, even though she said she was a capitalist, is because yeah. I, when, you, when you embrace it, that um, full-throated uh, uh, it's so easy, and like they worked on Biden. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's such bullshit. I'm so sick of this propaganda. Well, uh, that's all things. Right wing media, the evil News, socialism um, is propaganda in the United States, yeah, but it's DM radio and the fucking social media has ruined America. Well, I just also I told Mom when we were watching the election Tuesday night after like Tuesday evening, I was like, I don't even care anymore. This fucking society spectacle bullshit. <laughs> but um. I was watching it and I was like, you know, I think 
the propaganda from conservatives has been so affected over effective over the last like 30 years or so that a lot of people just really don't want to vote for Democrats. Yeah, this is all it really is, is the uh, progressive policies to a certain extent are very popular certain ones yeah. are i mean certain ones are more popular in some areas than others and we can get into that like weird nuance if you want but progressive ideas generally are popular but the politicians are progressive not. politicians aren't i i think i really think like the conservatives it's propaganda. they've had much more effective propaganda over the last like couple decades that's my whole philosophy on politics in general is um man we could have anarchy tomorrow if like they would let certain people be in control of the propaganda that people consume right because that's all culture is is just propaganda essentially not that i'm i know propaganda has um negative connotation to it but um if, if replace propaganda with myths and norms if you can change the myths and the norms that everyone concedes to you completely change society and the people that control those things um have no interest in changing anything because it benefits them how the system currently is. So whatever, Jordan Biden better uh, erase my student loan debt. That's all I know. Better do something because I mean, if it's completely ineffectual and nothing happens, nothing oh no! In two this. years, we're gonna be they're gonna face like a wipeout in the Senate and the House, and then yeah, Biden and then will be gone in four years, twenty twenty four, Tucker Tucker Carlson's president. You know what I mean? Fuck me. I don't think it'll be him, but like I was thinking that about it yeah. is um, people right now are like, oh, it can't happen again because there's no Republican figure on the map. Right, right yeah, now. yeah. But there's Trump no Republican was, we know about. Yeah, but Trump was kind of a dark horse to get the position he got to, right? Yes. And people are thinking he's going to run a, a, yeah. a tight third. Uh-huh. And fucking even Obama was a dark horse. Right. right. No, that's certainly true. I remember we knew who Obama was because our mom's so into politics that she was aware of who Obama was, right? And she like told us about him. Yeah, when she was really excited him. to hear him speak at, yeah. uh, at Kerry's convention. Right. And then, but then when he ran for president, it was like, who most people would say, who is this guy? What's going on? He's not going to win, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like these dark horse candidates can come out of nowhere. And if there's a competent, charismatic fascist who follows in Trump's footsteps, clearly a lot of the United States is going to fucking fall for it. Right. So that's fucking scary. <laughs> Plus, it's it's a worldwide phenomenon right now. Is like that's the one thing I authoritarians was kind of excited about. are spreading. You know that uh, so we did, uh, we managed to kick out the authoritarian we had in the United States, even though the rest of the world is having trouble with it. Yeah, because their authoritarians are like more clever. To be honest, like <laughs> Boris Johnson <laughs> is a much more clever version of Donald Trump. You know. He know, Boris Johnson knows what he's doing. He knows how to play we'll, his uh, audience. And, you know, shit like that. We'll see if uh, the UK's uh, negotiations for Brexit get a lot more friendly in the next couple of weeks, too. They better, because fucking Joe Biden's a fenian. Well, he, he's he going to go out there. He's, uh, like, he's going to take out the UK. Finally, he's going to be like, fucking Brits out. <laughs> I don't know if he's already, quite that. Uh, he already met with Jerry. Irish. I saw he already met with Jerry Adams and Mary McDonald from Sinn Féin. Yeah, well, he uh, he said in the in the uh, campaign that any U.S. U.K. trade agreement would be contingent on them oh, on Ireland, the, uh, the Good Open Friday border. Agreement. Yeah, I mean that's clear as day. They need to do that, or there's going to be problems. But yeah, I guess we'll see. But I'm just like those are the, to me those are the coolest things about Joe Biden is uh, he's a fucking Teague Fenian, and um, his son's pretty cool. I relate to Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Fine Hunter, highly relatable. 
that I guess that wraps up the election coverage for VHS cult. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It was man. It took way the too House long. Appropriation Act of 1929. Actually, it took way too long. I was getting so frustrated by it. Um, obviously, I. It's not like I'm not deep in conspiracy theory. Oh, it's being manipulated by the reptilian sort of thing. But like, fucking the media and everyone's having such a great time, having such an easy week of easy content and high ratings. <laughs> and it's just like the incompetence and the corruption that caused it to take so long is not going to be addressed. So it just. I don't well, know. I mean, just, it was fucking by design, is, essentially. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's cool that Arizona was like um. As much as I don't like Arizona, and never really had pride in living in Arizona. I was like, "Oh, it's cool that we're on the news." <laughs> like Alex Jones even came here. <laughs> uh, before we talk about this uh, week's movie, I would like to uh, talk to you about. Um, well, you remember how I said I was just going to watch the most sincere, uh, manipulative, heartwarming, humanity-affirming bullshit possible. Yes, so you watched My Best Friend's Christmas on Netflix. No, but have you heard of a Japanese reality show called Terrace House? I want to say it sounds familiar. So I want to, I think I wrote, read something it's on been the in message the, board about it. It's been in the new, article. well, so it's beca- it became a worldwide phenomenon over the last few years. And then this year specifically it was in the news for a bad reason, which we'll get to. But first I need to lay out to you why this is fucking, it's fucking such a great show to me. so it's essentially a real world right um where they just take like young japanese japanese american mixed japanese kids whatever send them to a location they all live in a house together it's like oh there's a lot of focus on like figuring out your goals and finding love and getting a job and stuff you know kind of like uptight japanese Japanese. (laughs) yeah very it is like really watching it is like you can still see how uptight and conservative japanese culture is which is frustrating sometimes but um and it's like not edited so it's not as manipulated as american reality tv shows seem to be as far as i can tell it's obviously manipulated a little bit just because editing in general is technically manipulative right because if they're filming them 24 hours a day week after week they're basically cutting a lot of footage on the cutting room floor so they can give you the narrative they want you to watch essentially right but aside from that it doesn't seem like they're pressuring any of the kids to like act out or play a character you know what i mean not so some of the extra american shit that's in reality doesn't seem to be in there um and then the most important thing is aside from the main action with the kids in the house and shit it's intercut with um a panel of uh older japanese comedians and like public like media figures so they'll cut into the action and like talk about what's going on and kind of take the piss out of it and use like their own insight from their past about what's going on and it like really reframes it in an interesting way and it's also a lot of them are fucking hilarious they'll say some of the funniest shit about what's going on (laughs) so um it really like highlights how fleeting and fun and kind of carefree it really is because even like the serious stuff and traumatic stuff that seems to happen whenever like they'll cut to the comedians and they'll talk about similar events in their life and their insight into it in a funny way so it really um like i said it's a life affirming in a way like you know even when terrible shit happens to you you look back on it and you're like oh that was like a good part of being alive sort of thing right i'm not saying it's high art or anything 
except for the commitment they have to filming like some of the surfing scenes when the show's in Hawaii, it's actually pretty good. Like there's some really good like surf film in it. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> it's uh, uh, I don't. I, at the end of the day, I know I'm just watching easily digestible like fluff shit, but. It is it, it is an interesting concept and it plays out in an interesting way that makes it like uh, I don't know more fulfilling or more there's more to it than just like a regular reality show because of the panel of comedians. That said, though, I guess the most recent season was supposed to run from summer 2019 to this past summer, mm-hmm. but uh, one of the cast members was uh, Hana Kimura, who's a kind of popular Japanese professional wrestler. Oh, yeah, I heard of that name. I definitely know. Yeah, uh, she was on the show. Um, Wait, maybe I do know the story. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So the thing with the show is um, there's the delay from it being filmed to airing in Japan isn't that long. It's only about two weeks. So while you're on the show, you can see what people are saying about you and get, you know, positive and negative feedback pretty quickly about things that are going on in your personal life. Mm-hmm. And then... I think because of the premise of the show where the comedians are kind of taking the piss out of the kids, it creates kind of an environment where there's a lot of people like me, yeah, also making fun of them too. Yeah. On the internet, even I'm sure some people are doing it very consciously to be mean, but some people are just participating in the premise of the show. Really? They just seem to have fun, right? Well, Hana Kimura committed suicide on the show in January because of the bullying. The show got canceled, obviously. <laughs> When I because I first started watching it with the most recent season because I was this is like the mentality that I had going into it. I was like, if I'm gonna watch a dumb reality show, I need to watch the most recent one because, like, what if their fashion is a little bit outdated? That'll bother me the whole time, right? Was, <laughs> so I started watching the most recent se- series and it like just abruptly ended halfway through it. Like, I was like, what? So what the fuck happened? So I went and read about it and discovered that. So what I said earlier about how uh, it's like fun, how it like pulls into relief, you know, how really. Uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. It's fun. You you actually pointed it out. It's fun when you go back and look at it. Yeah, you know, but it's not fun when you're going through it. Yeah, when it's happening, it can seem pretty serious, right? So, yeah, the show's really enjoyable. I'm still watching it, enjoying it, watching the earlier seasons. But uh, that really did kind of not sour the experience because i don't it's just i don't want to put any negative but uh, energy centered it well yeah it made me think about it in a different way where it was like yeah this is i could absolutely see how this could breed a toxic environment that would be really hard for these kids because she was only 20 21 you know what i mean and i'm watching it now as a 34 year old and i'm with the panel basically you know what i mean yeah yeah where I'm like, oh, I remember weird shit, like, you know, like stuff that bothered you seemed like the worst shit ever when you're 20, 21, 22. And like looking back on it now, you're like, man, that was such a fun time, blah, blah. But that's also like, it's, that's like, <laughs> even thinking about it is like, I was suicidal quite a few times in my early to mid 20s. And I can look back on it now and it's mostly a joke and it's fun to me. But man, it wasn't a joke at the time. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm having an interesting experience with the show. I recommend everyone check it out, though. It is very interesting. Aside from the actual consequences that happened that one time, um, it mostly is just like fluffy, easy, digestible, like 
oh, they're going to have their first kiss. And well, basically, I'm living vicariously through these Japanese <laughs> youths. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. Trying to uh, avoid the election, watching terrorists. <laughs> I didn't watch that much election coverage. I watched a little bit on, on Tuesday night and then basically not again until yesterday. Yeah, like Tuesday night when it was clear um it was gonna take like all week i was like i don't care anymore <laughs> <laughs> i actually went to i was also Tuesday confident sir sure that Biden was gonna win yeah like, oh, these numbers look pretty good i'll be yeah. I'll, I'll see you guys in a couple of days well yeah, that was my thing too is like tuesday night when yeah they basically like oh he's gonna get arizona possibly georgia pennsylvania you know what i mean i was like oh cool biden's probably gonna win but this shit's gonna take all week and it's gonna get weird so i just kind of checked out at that point I will say that like, it's amazing to me how off polls are again. Like, I don't think anybody can accurately say with any degree of certainty how Americans really feel about anything right now. No, because it's I mean, it's all in how you ask them, who you ask, like, you know, whether they won't even want to respond if they answer the phone call. Like, there's a, I think there's a broad part of swath of society that um, doesn't answer polls truthfully or just doesn't answer them at all. Yeah, well, I've never been polled at all, so you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, like, you're supposed to get, you know, it's supposed to be an accurate statistic. Yeah, whatever. I mean, <laughs> you just can't trust them, really. And then, yeah, I'm sure there's, like, people that straight up lie about who they're going to vote for, too, you know? I'm sure there's plenty of, like, Trump voters who are like, you can't just say I'm going to vote for Trump, you know what I mean? <laughs> Even though I'm going to to protect my financial assets. I don't want people to think I'm racist, even though they are racist, too. They just don't think they are. But uh, whatever. Most white people are racist is what I figured out. Can't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> I just think in general, people are just not as, as kind or as compassionate. Oh, uh, yeah. So. People are incredibly selfish is what it is. Like um, Trump's numbers were up across um, most demographics, right? That was just from exit polls, though. So that would have skewed Republican, anyways. Yeah, yeah, those exit polls are going to be going to end up being wrong. I think there's going to you're going to see a general, a slight Latino shift to him across the map, and then some really concentrated ones in a couple places. But the thing that I was shocked about is just how much he managed to juice turnout. Like I just thought for sure he couldn't get in his numbers much past 2016. I don't know. I thought like Biden would get a cleaner victory because of coronavirus and shit. But then I was also like, man, there's a lot of people that still really like Trump. And then there's a lot of people, too, that will just like straight up never vote for a Democrat, you know? And then even from anecdotal evidence talking about Latinos, I told you like a lot of my friends' dads, I've heard say like pretty racist conservative shit. And I'm. This is a, <clears throat> I don't know, a lot of white Americans probably aren't aware of this, but there's um, a lot of racism in places like Mexico and Guatemala and stuff where uh, the mestizos are racist against the indigenous people and they consider themselves white. And sometimes they come to the United States and they still consider themselves white and they don't like the other illegal immigrants. I don't know. It's pretty complex. Obviously, I'm a white boy, so someone will yell at me for even talking about it because why do I have the right or whatever? But yeah, there's a lot of conservative Latinos as well, say, I guess. Accurate. Yeah. And also, um, no race is a monolith, and you shouldn't assign virtue to someone based on the race because that's uh, racism. Yeah, it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if you think you're, it's positive virtue, you're still being incredibly ignorant. Yeah, who do you think you are, Stephen King? You didn't invent the magic Negro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tumblr did. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not like the oh fucking identity politics or bullshit people, but um the way that identity politics have been I don't know, I hate popular politics politics, but because yeah. most of the time it's just civil rights is what we're talking about. Yeah. But like what what happens is on the internet it becomes a little bit weirder in certain mm-hmm. in certain like circles. Like I don't think it's that pervasive necessarily in real in, in society, but it's, it's not in real life, no, not at all. But the internet gets weird. Well, it's just they take um, here's the problem is that there's a lot of like nerd college graduate journalists that have um, way too big of an influence on internet culture right now. And so they incorporate uh, academic language and all this bullshit that uh, they don't seem to even understand correctly because it's you know not supposed to be applied in the way they're using it. But then they do and then everyone else does and it becomes like you're talking about different like you're talking about the taxonomy of, of animals when you're talking about like demographics in the united states and shit it's like i just to me it's like you people don't ever go outside and interact with other people do you it's fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> no you don't they don't kyle because there's a goddamn pandemic going on yeah but i mean like their entire lives they've just been eating birthday cake with like their fucking other rich white people or something oh god i really want birthday cake thank you birthday Jesus cake shit. i really want birthday cake right now all right i don't know why this one's about clue i guess oh wait I, you introduced yourself you didn't i didn't introduce me i am yeah sean biden no what did you drink yesterday uh jameson that's your son's name. Also, <laughs> it's it's real Irish Catholic whiskey, uh, Kyle. Irish we have a real Irish Catholic president, John Jameson. John Jameson and Joe Biden. Biden is not an Irish name. Uh, probably O Biden at one point. <laughs> Robinette. His real name is Robinette. <laughs> is it really? I didn't know that. Yeah, Joseph Robinette Biden. Oh wait, maybe I did. I don't know. What's yeah. one of those things? I don't know. Fuck him. Fuck them all. Or uh, Yosef, as they would say in Ireland. Yosef. Yosef. <clears throat> yeah, so that uh, VHS cult, Kyle Teardrops, uh, or Kyle Teardrop, Sean um, Jameson, <laughs> Sean Whiskey Man. Uh, this is VHS cult. We watched Clue from 1985. Every person in this room has the perfect motive Stand back! for murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm frightened! What? Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? If I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? Sit half. Half. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's well, a matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. Murder. This is getting quite serious. And madness. In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. Clue. It's not just a game anymore. Six. That, uh, that's when uh, Hollywood started running out of ideas because they're like, you know what? Let's make a movie out of a goddamn board game. Yeah, this is, this is actually 
a big step in the wrong direction for Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't seem to think about that at all because it has um because it's so good. <laughs> although remember those same people I was talking about who uh, run the culture of the internet, the journalists, academics, like nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones who are big fans of the of Clue and really brought it to its like level of uh, cult interest at this point. So um, they easily overlooked the horrible capitalist nature of it, and it's like, <laughs> oh, it's for jokes, right? Hot jokes. They are funny jokes. Yeah, them with that. Uh, I actually don't think I like Clue. Oh, you're you're wrong. That's inaccurate. Well, towards the end, I'll I'll, I'll present my case. I don't know when you watched it, but I I was riding high on a Biden victory and drunk on Jameson. So my <laughs> last night I was high as shit. <laughs> I am uh, often much more critical when I'm high, though. So, does that mean I'm overly negative, or I'm just paying more attention? I don't know, but I was getting real bored. On <laughs> what uh, my experience with you um, through childhood, I would say perhaps overly negative. Probably, I'm pretty cynical about a lot of stuff. But there was um, in Terrace House. There's this kid who's a professional surfer. He's only like 20. And uh, he went to the North Island and um, he was doing big wave surfing and he almost died. And then he was afraid to go surfing for a while. But then he finally built up the courage and started surfing again. And then he won a tournament in Bali and I cried. (laughs) (laughs) And then I I also saw a YouTube video about a one-armed monkey that has a pet cat. And I cried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not particularly sad this week, just emotional. It's like things that would that you could cry about but i normally wouldn't i'm just crying about them this week for some reason that's stuff that would normally make me cry i don't know i'm usually a weepy guy yeah like movies and shit make me cry a lot i just like sometimes it's like more often not like open crying i'll get like you know a couple tears tell a couple manly tears running down <laughs> yeah that's I'm, I'm not like bawling or anything it's just like i don't know i'm just really feeling shit this week <laughs> Uh, Clue, six guests are anonymously invited to a strange mansion for dinner, but after their host is killed, they must cooperate with the staff to identify the murderer as the bodies pile up. Um, So it's got the components of the board game in it, but they turned it into a movie. And they did that by making it like every Dark House, Agatha Christie type mystery movie that's ever Mm -hmm. existed anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Also, um, outside of North America, Clue is called Cluedo. Did you know that? Cluedo? That's fantastic. Cluedo. That's just like the... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how people... You, if people like Knives Out, I don't know how you cannot like Clue. Oh. I, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> we have a spicy meatball later on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is the first movie based on a board game. Absolutely should have been the last. I will say I do appreciate that um nowadays when you want to make a shitty product tie-in movie you have to turn it into the biggest action spectacle of all time i do appreciate that when they made clue they're like you know small yeah let's make a movie that makes sense for clue not like battleship or whatever (laughs) (laughs) well what would make sense for battleship i honestly think the most way battleship makes the most sense if it's just like two dudes at a computer like just ordering ships around. It's I mean, like just two. more like the Hunt for Red October or Dos Boot. I know those are submarine movies, but you know, just like high tension boat maneuvering shit. Because <laughs> that's oh, what the game is, <laughs> you know. Some boat maneuvering. Yeah. There's no maneuvering, and and it's static. You and I played electronic battleship at least a million times. 
Yeah, but I mean, that's the reality of like naval combat now, though. It's just like, all right, we're going to turn in 300 miles and then they'll be able to find us, and, you know? Boring shit. I think the rally of naval, <laughs> naval combat now is like, oh, shit, there's planes over there. Ah, oh, shit, we're dead. Oh, yeah, they just have like flies coming off of them. It's like, uh, um, the Cloverfield monster, remember, had the little parasites that lived on it <laughs> that were more dangerous than the Cloverfield monster. That's what battleships. <laughs> But yeah, so this is the first uh, major product tie-in movie I can think of. I was trying to think of more. Obviously, Star Wars was like the first uh, toy commercial, right? Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't even a toy yet. The toys came later. George Lucas specifically wanted to have the merchandising, right? Yeah, he was the smartest man alive, apparently. Yeah, but I think he he for sure was like, I have a pretty good idea about this. Every kid's going to want a Luke Skywalker action figure. He was right. I mean, I don't hold it against him. I'm Look just, at this tree. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just speaking the reality. <laughs> but I, this, I can't think of. Obviously, they've adapted books and comic books before mm. at this point. But this is the sub, the, probably the first adaptation outside of that, right? And plays. Yeah, this is like the first like low adaptation. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like low no story. Culture. Yeah, <laughs> it's a board game. It doesn't have a story. This is just a copyright. <laughs> Yeah, it's their um, it's just brand integration, <laughs> which uh, corporations love now. But this was cutting edge back then. It's also why it flopped incredibly hard, because back I guess back in the nineteen eighty five, the uh, movie going audience was a little bit more uh, a little bit more savvy than they are now. <laughs> I think you should look at the top ten from nineteen eighty five, and then then go cry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look. I'm pretty sure Top Gun. Highest grossing movies of 1985. Uh, Back to the Future, so oh, that's a good one. can't beat that. Uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2. There you go. That's not a good one. Rocky 4. <laughs> Rocky 4? Oh, my God, Stallone. What are you doing? He was doing great in 85. Uh, Color Purple. That's kind of like another, you know, like that is kind of like a, a Clue-esque movie, though, if you think about it. The Color Here's Purple? Oh, shit. I'm thinking of Princess movie. Damn it. That's not right. Oh, you Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Yeah. yeah. No, color, color Purple, obviously, <laughs> is not. <laughs> That's like an Oscar. Uh, uh, yeah. Kind of movie. Sorry, Oprah. Uh, Out of Africa. Uh, Cocoon. The Jewel of the Nile. Witness. The Goonies. Ooh. Spies Like Us. So I mean, there's a couple of really good ones in there, but not. not uh, there's a lot of these didn't really stand the test of time, right? Like. Cocoon, the Jewel of the Nile, Witness, Spies Like Us. Yeah. yeah. Jewel of the Nile. Spies Like Us is not good. I mean, I like it, but objectively, it's not good. Same with Jewel of the Nile. What's well, this? Jewel of the Nile is the sequel to Romancing the Stone, right? Right. So it's just an Indiana Jones knockoff, anyways. Yeah, and then Rocky Four is really bad. Mm-hmm. And Rambo First Blood Part Two is not very good. Pretty much, I don't really like the first Rambo, to be honest. Let, let you first build again. <laughs> As the kill count increases, the less I'm interested in the story of Rambo. <laughs> also, kind of every sequel really um, deal really. I like to think that the, every sequel after First Blood is is Rambo having a uh, PST in, induced hallucination. Well, that's the thing is every sequel I think is like offensive to the to the book that it's based off. Of, you know <laughs> what I mean? But the fact that they turn it into like such a, a media money generating action franchise when it's about 
some guys based on some guys' real experiences with PTSD, you know? It's like it seems pretty offensive, but that's the 80s for you. Uh, this film was written and directed by a man named Jonathan Lynn. He's a British man, um, a fog breather, if you will. I will. Him Although and there's no fog, fog in London. Foggy old London town. No, that's all from the industrialization. That's oh. not fog. That's smog. <laughs> it's smoggy old London town. Smog breather. Uh, him and a man named Anthony J created and wrote every episode of the highly acclaimed BBC political comedy series Yes Minister, and then no, a follow up, follow up called Yes Prime Minister in 1986. Yeah, I don't, I haven't ever heard of it. Uh, he did also direct Nuns on the Run with Eric Idle and oh, Hagrid. I'm familiar with this. That, that's <laughs> that's a certified dad classic. <laughs> He did love Nuns on the Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergeant Bilko, which is an okay Steve Martin movie. Yeah, Steve Martin doesn't have a lot of great ones. Well, the Jerk, that's in Three Amigos, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like um, Father the Bride for what it is, but you know, oh yeah, really Father the Bride it. is a cute like movie. Um, he also directed the whole Nine Yards. Remember that uh, fucking movie that made a bunch of money and like everyone was talking about in like 1998, Bruce Willis and Matthew Perry or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. That one believe. didn't stand the test of time. It didn't, but it was. I remember being like a phenomenon when it came out, and I just being like, but "What why? about well, Romeo and Juliet too?" Leo, the Baz Luhrmann one. Yeah, that, I don't think that's the test of time. At least not culturally. Oh, I yeah. think it's probably still a good movie, but no one gives a shit anymore. Oh, I still fucking love it. I think it's, I like it more than when it came out. When it came out, I was a little kid, so I was like, "Eh, hey, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's a little wiener boy," you know. I like uh, it more than when it came out, but it was more because like every girl's like it's it's uh, look what it's, it's it's romance. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, shut up. Well, yeah, I just fucking man John Leguizamo. <laughs> Shit, man. Tip old king of cats. Prince cats. He looks so badass in that movie. John Leguizamo always looks badass. How dare you? Yeah. Um, most importantly, though, he did direct My Cousin Vinny. Oh, is, another great one. Which is a really good movie. And also, he is responsible for casting Marissa Tomei. And that is her first role. So technically, he's responsible for Marissa Tomei being famous. Thank you, this guy. Because well, Marissa Tomei Toxic rules. Avenger technically her first Avenger? Or first, first Avenger, first movie? Technically, but... <clears throat> um, he saw like, Toxic Avenger. He's like, yeah, I like the way that she acts as a blind girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is like her uh, big Hollywood breakout role, you know? So, obviously, I'm not giving him full credit because Marissa Tomei is responsible for her fate as an individual. But I am glad that she was cast in My Cousin Vinny because she became super famous and Marissa Tomei is great. I love Marissa Tomei and I love My Cousin Vinny. And I love The Toxic Avenger. Me too. Oh, yeah. This is uh, this. Here's some stuff that, that some negative things about Jonathan Lynn, though. A very important negative thing. He earned a degree in law from Cambridge University before Ugh. becoming an actor. He's posh ass Brit. Brit's out. <laughs> Chucky R. Law. And uh, more importantly, that's right. John Landis is mostly responsible for this film. Uh, well, Our friend John Landis. No one died on this one. <laughs> well, he's got that going for him this time. So John Landis um, uh, wrote and produced the film. He's actually, uh, I'll just read some of the quotes from him from other people. He basically came up with the story, and he's the one who really got it made. 
he says it was a classic murder mystery setup with a bunch of characters i just love the idea of playing it as farce um after working out a treatment for the film's plot and essential mystery he says i didn't have a solution i went to the point when the butler said i'm going to explain what happened like in the classic charlie chan hercule poirot agatha christie kind of way i couldn't figure it out i said a crime i couldn't solve so i thought well i gotta get a real writer <laughs> so jonathan lynn helped him with the ending pretty much but yeah john lynn um the producer who picked up the rights to it was like, yeah, maybe we could do something with it. And John Landis actually tried for four or five years to get it made. And he was like, he's the one. Like, come on. Come on. Treatment. Yeah. For some reason, he was hell psyched about it, I guess, because he wanted to make a murder mystery or whatever. And yeah, he filled in all the plot details, which is, I don't know. Fucking John Landis is pretty talented. It sucks that he killed all those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, with an axe. <laughs> no, a helicopter. <laughs> you ran over people with a helicopter? Yes, John Landis. Jesus Christ. He was driving a helicopter? And yeah, he he's killed a, two children? He's a maniac, yeah. He was personally driving a helicopter. He's ah, how dare you have to only work um certain hours as a child, you damn toddlers. No, I think that this the studio owned those children, so they could make them work as much as they want. <laughs> oh, like Were they the orphan little, kids? Like the little rascals? <laughs> No, they weren't. They weren't orphans. <laughs> Their parents were on set for that traumatizing event. Um, yeah, there is three endings to the movie, though. Um, none of them are very good. I like the uh, the ending C, where everyone's in on it, and Mister Green is a fed. I think I like that one the best. He's like, "I'm gonna go home and fuck my wife." <laughs> <laughs> That's a really cute way to end the movie. I think I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife. No, I like fuck my wife better. They should have done that. Uh, then they'd get a PG-13. Uh, and then, then we're good. It's the only fuck. Save that fuck for last. God. Yeah. Uh, the um, multiple ending concept was developed by John Landis as well. And the uh, producers thought they could make a quick buck off of people going to see it multiple times. Um, so that's why the gimmick was in there. Fortunately, no one liked it when it came out. So it didn't help. <laughs> Uh, John Landis, when he couldn't come finish the ending, he approached uh, playwright Tom Stoppard, uh, writer and composer Stephen Sondheim, and actor Anthony Perkins to write the screenplay. And they all said, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Perkins wasn't under it? Nah, he was too busy doing Psycho 4 <laughs> or 3, which is the one that he wrote and directed. Oh, fuck if I remember. It's actually pretty good. And his son, Oswald Osperkins, uh, is a really good director. He's got quite a few movies that I highly enjoy. I specifically recommend checking out The Black Coat's Daughter, um, streaming on Netflix now. And also, I think... This um, podcast has been brought to you by Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're sponsored by Netflix now. Fuck you, Tubi. <laughs> Fuck off, Tubi. Are <laughs> you checked in clear? <laughs> Tubi or not Tubi. Let's talk about the cast, which is the best thing about the movie. Tim Curry is Wadsworth the butler. His wife um, had friends who were socialists. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. And the one we all can't be perfect. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was, I, again, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great. <laughs> one of my complaints about this movie, especially since it has cult status now, is it's not necessarily as um, subversive or edgy as most cult movies are. But there is quite a bit of a like good like satire in it, so I'll give it that. Uh, I mentioned previously 
in another episode that Tim Curry is the most evil man in the world. But that is actually just a, a, um, a joke about Donald Trump. I don't actually <laughs> think he's the most evil man in the world. He did, however, play Pennywise, which is what um, a lot of people know him for, right? I would assume. Yeah, I think, well, I guess, yeah, more than Rocky Horror Picture Show, you think? Uh, for for me, it's uh, childhood, distinctly Pennywise, um, teenage, early 20s, uh, Dr. Frankenfurter, because I had a friend who I had a crush on that she would go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show at that old theater out in uh, Chandler. Oh, we all know that person in high school. Yeah, um, and I would I didn't go every weekend because I also like to um drink and get into trouble, but I would go like once or twice a month with her, and it was actually lots of fun. And even though we were both underage, you could still drink and smoke there because <laughs> all the people would give you drugs and alcohol. <laughs> yep, because no one gives a shit at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We never um that romance never blossomed. We only like um like made like out finger a few banged, times. okay? Yeah, I think I touched her vagina. <laughs> yeah. You better be correct. You can't leave blast that on a podcast and be wrong. I'll edit it out. The more if I think about it and I'm wrong. But she did eventually um show up again in my life in like my mid twenties dating uh some other guy that I hated in a shitty like hardcore bent. So I guess it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a fucking go in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. is fucking tight. Um, they were doing it for a while at the film bar in Phoenix. Obviously, they're not doing it now. But it'd be cool to check it out again, I think. Uh, anyhow, he's also the mean guy in Congo. I remember that from my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, kill. He's also uh, the uh, hotel manager, the mean hotel manager in Home Alone 2. Yes. Which stars the actual most evil man in America. Don Gold Trump. Yeah. McDonald Trump. Former president. Former presidente. That's the, I don't even know if he's the most evil man in America. He just fucking the shittiest, for sure. McConnell's got to be up there, too. The most doo-dooist. <clears throat> Um, do you know you, the pictures of him coming back to the White House yesterday while everyone was like, fuck you, you loser? Uh, I, was that a body double? He didn't look as fat as he normally does. <laughs> <laughs> I think he deflates uh, based on his, how he feels, you know, based on pride. Yeah, like he didn't look like, He's like some sort du- of like pride golem. Or yeah, or it was honestly weird. He didn't look like super duper overweight and he didn't have like that fat donk anymore. Maybe it was just the angle he took the photo or something. But I was like, he's, he loses like fucking 80 pounds overnight. <laughs> uh, Tim Curry also did the, the tons of voice acting, if you think about it. I do. Yeah. Think about it all the time. Basically, you know what it is. He's Tim Curry. He's probably the, uh, I'd say he's the star of the film. He's putting in the most work. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Top billing though went to Eileen Brennan, who plays Miss Peacock, but that's because she's a very established uh, Hollywood actress. She is also in um, another Dark House whodunit mystery film called Murder by Death, which was written by Truman Capote, which is actually the best murder mystery of all time, in my opinion, and it's much better than Clue. Everyone, check it out. I wouldn't call Clue the best uh, murder mystery of all time. I would call Murder by Death the best murder mystery <laughs> of all time. Obviously, uh, it's Knives Out, Kyle. Knives Out. Knives Out. 
Eileen Brennan was also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. My kind of dame. <laughs> I'm <I> planning <clears throat> never to join. I like <laughs> to keep my alcoholism very loud. Yeah, I would never join it just because it's a religious organization. Also, I'm over. No, you gotta give yourself to a higher power. No, no higher I, power is yeah, testicles. But it's me. I'm the beast I worship. No, my testicles are the beast I worship. Whoa. Madeline, right one more the left one. He hangs down weird. But my one of them is supposed to hang lower, right? My left one does. My right one's the broken one, though. Remember? Oh, I remember. It got weird, <laughs> really black and blue. Yeah. <laughs> it's still super sensitive, too. It's swollen. I it was like a, a goddamn cantaloupe. Yeah, I have a feeling it doesn't work. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's just so sensitive still. Uh, Madeline Kahn's in this, though. She, I assume she probably has both working gonads. <laughs> but to, At this I point, know. I don't know. I don't know. She's famously from Mel Brooks collabs. She's all funny. Um, I've always found her incredibly erotic. Yeah, in a weirdly way, a weird mm-hmm. way, right? Mm-hmm. You never mm-hmm. quite place what it is. Just Part of it is her voice and the talent. You know, what I mean, she just yeah. uh, she's got a presence. Yeah, that's probably, that's what it is. Yeah, she died in 1999. However, so rest in peace, Madeline Kahn. Her real name, Madeline Gail Wolfson. Wolfson. She Wolfson. just she used her mom's stage name. So in uh, ending C, you know, the part where she's like flames, flames on the side of my face. Yeah. That was uh, improvised by her in it. It's great, too, because they just kind of let it let her trail. Yeah, off they, just, move uh, on. they let it play. And everyone's just like, whoa. <laughs> um, Christopher Lloyd, Professor Plum. Uh, incredibly, le- Professor Paul the character is incredibly lecherous. He's going for like the honey dip immediately as soon as he meets Miss Scarlet. Oh yeah, is- and then too, that, <laughs> on the maze. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty. He's big old creep. Um, Christopher Lloyd. We don't have to. He's Back to the Future, Roger Rabbit, Adam's Family, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Taxi. He's still acting. He's the Tremors Lloyd. TV show. Yeah, he's got like fucking two hundred and forty credits. He's still going hard too. He can't need the money. He probably just likes it, right? I think he just likes to act, yeah. Uh, next, we got Michael McKean, Mr. Green, who is uh, more well-known for collaborating with Christopher Guest, who I've talked about plenty of times, his films. These days, with. probably uh, Better Call Saul, too. Yeah, I think that's probably what um, what people I call numbnuts know him for. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Laverne and Shirley was the star of his, Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he's, what, Lenny Squiggle, Squiggle or whatever? <laughs> Squiggy? <laughs> yeah, Squiggles. Squiggle? <laughs> Squiggles is much different than Squiggy. <laughs> um, yeah, I like Michael McKean, though. Uh um, Christopher Guest's movie is the best. He also, he has... Uh, he was one of the writers of Spinal Tap, which take so Christopher Guest and him and Henry. He wrote Shearer. all Laverne and too. Yeah. Well, he also directed a few episodes of Laverne and Shirley. I saw. And he's an accomplished musician, apparently. So a lot of the music in Spinal Tap was written by him and Henry Shearer with help from Christopher Guest. And then the same thing in A Mighty Wind. Oh, yeah. I always thought like A Mighty Wind was like a really funny kind of like spiritual sequel to Spinal Tap. It's like, yeah, I mean, all of his movies have like a little bit of connective connective tissue because I feel like Waiting for Guffman also is like like really similar to Mighty Wind. The only one that really stands out is uh, Best in Show as far as, well, no, because 
even that has like performance elements. I don't know. Christopher Guest movies are dope. Everyone watch them. <laughs> I think I might go watch Waiting for Guffman tonight. We'll see. Uh, this here's an interesting fact about Mr. Michael McKean. He's a relative of Thomas McKean, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Ooh, wow, hoity toity, hoity toity. Um, also, Martin Mole, Colonel Mustard, he's the ultimate uh, that guy, you know what I mean? I mean oh, see, yeah. Uh, yeah, that guy. Uh, to me, uh, uh um, a studied eye of film like myself i know him as martin mole because he's really funny and does a lot of good shit but he's like one of those that guys um specifically though we grew up watching him on roseanne mm-hmm. um he was, the, was uh... he was um someone's partner like roseanne's friend's partner or something i don't know he was in a lot of episodes he's on that show for a long ass time he's a real funny guy he's also in jingle all the way I don't remember him Jingle All the Way. I don't either, but I think I'm gonna watch Jingle All the Way again this year for That's Christmas. That's a Sinbad Arnold Schwarzenegger one, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it since we saw it in the theaters as kids. I think Turbo Man, <laughs> Turbo Man this year. I'm gonna watch Turbo that Man. shit. I'm excited to start watching Christmas shit so I can cling to whatever hope of life I have. Gremlins. I'm up. It's Christmas Carol. Um, finally, we have well, not finally, but as far as like the um, six nerds, <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, Miss Scarlet, who's played by Leslie Ann Warren. Uh, she's lots of 70s TV shit, Mission Impossible, Mod Squad. Uh, she's just like fucking, she's um, my favorite person in this movie. I love everything about her. Like when she laughs, well, they when they bring up um Miss White killing her husband, and she like is like laughs so like gloyful, like gleefully, and like almost like sexually about it. I was like, oh my god, this <laughs> this this right here. No, this, this is my future wife. This, this is a day. No, she honestly is like um embodies like everything I find attractive women. Where she's like like playfully treacherous and probably kind of dangerous and like maybe a little bit mean, but like. Confident and cool, like I'm, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on her. You need to find a, a, a you know, a high class like, madam. Yeah, I mean specifically the character of Miss Scarlet. I don't know <laughs> Leslie Ann Warren. She might be the nicest lady in the world in real life, which is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that I need like constant um physical affection and stuff, I seem to prefer women who are a little bit cold. Wonder why that is. I guess I like the, the chase, the thrill of it. <laughs> Um, a critic for the Chicago Tribune, I believe, named David Kerr, said only Leslie Ann Warren, as a tough-talking madam, finds an effective level of stylization using her leggy physique and wildly expressive features to create a cartoonish figure that's funny within its own boundaries. I agree with that shit, man. She's the star of the show. Now, obviously, Tim Curry's the real star of the show, but her performance is fucking magnifique. Chef's yeah. kiss. Yeah, she has probably one of the best performances. I think I think mm-hmm. Tim Curry's performance is actually pretty good. It is, but for me, it's like, oh, there's Tim Curry being a great actor again. <laughs> <laughs> so sick of it. <laughs> yeah, but with her, it's like I don't really know her for much else, it's, and so it's like, whoa! Isn't she? Wasn't she nominated for an Academy Award at some point? I don't think so. But check this out: uh, Carrie Fisher was originally contracted to play Miss Scarlet, but withdrew to enter treatment for drug and alcohol addiction. You know what's interesting about that is Carrie Fisher is also exactly my type of dame. 
dead? No. Well, I guess that's one aspect of her now, but like that's not what makes her attractive to me. And it's not because she wore a metal bikini in Star Wars, you fucking geeks, or whatever. It's because she fucking <laughs> loves do- doing drugs and drinking and speaking her mind. She's like tough as shit, and she's a good writer. A lot of people don't know that she's a punch-up artist for tons of films in Hollywood. She did whatever the fuck she wanted. I don't know. She's cool as shit. She, uh, someone say she might have loved drugs a little too much. She might have even said that. Yeah, but she was always honest about it, which is the best. And she turned into a joke. Have a little fun with it, you know? Also, she could fly <laughs> <laughs> through space. No, she couldn't. Uh-huh, I saw it That's in, a um, movie. Return of, return of... What the fuck's that second one called? <laughs> <laughs> the Last Jedi? The Last Jedi, yeah. What's the last one called? Oh, The Rise of Skywalker. I still haven't ever watched that one. Oh, my God, it's bad. I feel like I'm gonna watch the new trilogy for around when it gets closer to Christmas. <laughs> I want to torture myself. <laughs> the Force Awakens, like, oh, okay, you can you can kind of go somewhere. And like the last Jedi is like, all right, okay, the B and C plots are a little, uh, but yeah. And then it's the rise of Sky Skywalker. Like, what the fuck happened? I just it's so funny <laughs> to me that uh, Disney spent billions of dollars to get the rights to Star Wars, right? Oh, they like, made their money back, so who gives a yeah, shit? Yeah, but they're like, we're going to do a new trilogy, and um, we're not going to plan for it all. We're going to fly by the seat of our pants. <laughs> That's the part I don't get. Yeah, yeah this year, this well, Meanwhile, the fucking Marvel uh, universe is like planned down to like the microsecond almost, it seems like. Well, yeah, because uh, Marvel uses like an uh, algorithm to write their movies. <laughs> <laughs> Disney was just like, yeah, well, yeah, you can write it. Fucking JJ, who cares? I don't know. <laughs> Colleen Camp, who plays Yvette the Maid. She was in fucking Game of Death, the Bruce Lee movie. Game of Death. I'm I've seen Game, Game of Death a million times. I, I don't I'm sure I've seen her, but obviously I don't I couldn't I don't I've never replaced the two. Yeah. Probably watch, she's not speaking with a French accent in Game of Death. I'm gonna watch Game of Death and look out for her. I'm gonna be like, look out now. Nah, yeah. Nah. She's also, of course, in Apocalypse now. She's the Playboy Playmate of September or whatever, or May. Mm-hmm. And then Police Academy 4 and Wayne's World. Still acting. Still, Still acting. beautiful. Uh, she also has amazing fucking physical, physical comedy skills in this movie. If you just pay attention to how she moves, even if she's just doing background shit, it's fucking, it's like, I normally physical comedy is like really annoying or like makes me, it's, I think it's like corny. Yeah, well, uh, there's, a, there's a point where it becomes like over exaggerated and cheesy. Yeah, but no, she's she's she is on point that shit. There's a lot of physical comedy in this movie too, and um, she's the best at it. But apparently, at one point they were like Jennifer Jason Lee, Demi Moore, Madonna. Maybe they could play a vet. But Colin Kent was all a little weird. Yeah, Colin Kent went to audition in a French made costume and uh, knocked it out of the park. So right <laughs> on. Fuck off, Madonna. <laughs> I like Jennifer Jason Lee a lot. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, Demi Fair Moore enough. like barely exists. Madonna was cool in the eighties. Yeah, she was cool <laughs> in the eighties. But like, have you? Can, I don't know if she can. A act. League of Her Own is the only time I think I ever remember. Oh yeah, movie. I forgot she's in that. But that's like a really that's actually kind of like a subtle role. That's not the same as a. Yeah, she's not like a yeah. Event like yeah, I don't think Madonna could play event because Madonna like she's got to be cool. And Yvette's like not, you know, no, what I mean? she's a goof. She's like hapless. Um, and the most important character in the film, Mr. Body, you know who he's played by? Me. 
No, leaving the lead singer of Fear, the Los Angeles hardcore punk band. Ah, ah. living in the city. He's also in Flashdance, uh, Streets of Fire. His real name is Lee James Jude Capillero. Capillero. Uh, Fear, for those who don't know, um, is one of the main bands in the Decline of Western Civilization documentary, which people should watch. It's pretty interesting. But also the specific performance in 1981 on Saturday Night Live. They were invited to perform because uh, John Belushi was a big fan of the band. (laughs) Mistake. Um, Yeah, and they uh, were banned forever from Saturday Night Live by Lorne Michaels. And um, if you go and try to find their performance um, on an episode of Saturday Night Live, it doesn't exist. And Lorne Michaels and Saturday Night Live act like it never happened. But you can see a clip of it on YouTube at Hardcore Worldwide. It doesn't seem that crazy. It's just like kids are jumping on stage and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know what? Uh, Warren Michaels is kind of like a, a, a little bit of a stuck up, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> you know 100% they did something to piss him off backstage, too. So he's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. oh, probably, yeah. Oh, you're never coming back here again. I don't know how Warren Michaels impression. <laughs> never coming back here again. That's probably That close. is him. That's about right. <laughs> Um, the performance is also historic in uh, part of punk history because uh, you can see a young Ian Mackay jumps on stage briefly before diving into the crowd. He's like, I'm gonna make my own punk band, <laughs> Minor Threat's gonna be great. Except he's probably in Minor Threat at this point in 1981. Lord Michaels called me a Minor Threat, guys. Let's name our band that. He's still kind of weird, though. Straight Edge, vegan. That's kind of, I don't, that's stuff like the East Coast, Washington, uh, hardcore scene. I don't really like, like, how militant they are about, like, straight edge and vegan shit. Like, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like, you like killing animals? How dare you, you piece of shit? No, I don't like killing them. But like, sometimes, like eating their flesh, huh? Yeah, sometimes they just want a meatball. Uh, I guess my concern is more with the straight edge thing. It's like, Nah, man, this is you got one life. This is your one life stand. You need to get fucked up. Oh, no, do you need to experience life in its fullest? Don't you see the beauty you of open life? Your, and open your, your open third your, eye. No, you open your third eye by, by remaining clean and meditating. I don't think so. I think they're wrong about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either one of them, you guys are right because I don't think the fucking third eye exists. Spewsh. Well, Sean yeah, Biden out. <laughs> the uh, third eye doesn't exist. Conceptually, though, I do think um, testing your mind and seeing what the limits of your imagination and shit are, which is caused by psychedelics, is interesting and possibly beneficial. But I don't think it's like magical. It's just like you're challenging yourself a little bit. Limit experiences. I've talked about it before. All about limit experiences. You know, uh, final experiences. Middle Gear Solid 1, when you have to do the torture scene. Hell yeah, That's that a is a experience. You got no human being can tap the button that fast. I gotta save Meryl. <laughs> Meryl. Meryl. Finally, uh, um, singing Telegram Girl was played by Jane uh, Weedlin from the Go So <laughs> I didn't catch her. She looked kind of familiar, I guess. Yeah, she's like the little pixie girl from the Go I don't know how, any other way to describe her. I was there. It looked like her in a suit. <laughs> Um, like I said, the film flopped and was not um, critics didn't like it because they thought it was a cash grab sort of shit. So it's got a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes with critics 
86 percent with the audience um i went through and looked a lot of the reviews are contemporary so that's probably not even an accurate figure by my estimations the critics reviews if they were all contemporary rather than um looking back from the future back to the mm. future i would say it's probably got 13 <laughs> percent and the audience score still 86 percent because uh people audience people are dumb regular folks dumb <laughs> how dare you <laughs> now the numbers are absolutely padded out by um people retrospectively going back and writing for places like kotaku and polygon and that's uh every um movie we've watched so far pretty much except for normally they're padded out by people that run like horror movie blogs and cool shit not fucking polygon or kotaku (laughs) usually talk about video games and shit i don't care about your opinions on movies if you think video games are good (laughs) no but they what happens is they start like a video game thing and like you gotta you gotta spread out to other mediums and you got to talk about books and shit and, <laughs> and comic books and all the other nerd shit or something. For some no, reason. thank you. <laughs> no, thanks. Trust me. If you go through enough of those horror movies, you'll find some Kotaku reviews in those. Yeah, you're probably right. <clears throat> but I don't take them seriously. I take no one seriously. And the only opinion that matters is mine. God damn it. That's true. I mean, I, that's how I feel in general. But also, like, if I'm going to listen to a critic of some kind... Uh, it's not going to be someone who thought The Last of Us was groundbreaking storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to be Roger Ebert, goddammit. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to say goddammit at least four more times before we finish this. Speaking of Ebert, he gave it two or four stars. Uh, his his biting quote that I chose is, uh, one ending is more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say about Lord of the Rings? He said, fuck, oh, God, oh, man, Viggo Mortensen, oh. Uh, oh man, I need to watch Lord of the Rings again. This that's this Lord time. of the Rings season. I, I'm gonna get to it. Uh, Roger Ebert's friend Gene Siskel gave the film. I guess they're not really friends. His coworker, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they like kind of didn't get along, right? Um, he gave it 2.5 out of four stars, and he said Clue offers a few big laughs early on, followed by a lot of characters running around on a treadmill to nowhere. And I specifically pulled his quote and chose him because I fucking absolutely agree with what he says. And I think they're it's doing the they're playing the board game. God damn it. <laughs> I know they are, but that's not fun to watch. <laughs> and um, this is probably the first time that's in my every life. movie. Every movie just running around. I agree. This is the first time in my life. I agree with Gene Siskel about anything. <laughs> <laughs> that old wet blanket. Um, so my big problems with the movie as uh he steps some dog shit on the porch at the beginning of the film and he doesn't clean it off thoroughly enough and they even play into it where other characters are smelling it and oh, they, they, great. it stresses me out the entire movie he's tracking dog <laughs> shit everywhere <laughs> can't stop thinking about it so i the, think it's, it's such a cheap gag <laughs> like get so much enjoyment out of it <laughs> I, I mean it's like a good gag and i get it but like it honestly like stresses me out too much <laughs> So I have a visceral reaction. This because you remember those days when you stepped in like Ashley's dog poop in the backyard and like you all day you're like, God damn it, I smell poop still. Yeah, exactly. And I uh, can't handle it. So I have a visceral, visceral negative reaction to the film because of the dog shit. That's why I give it zero stars. <laughs> <clears throat> um, now the big thing is, um, so the film starts off dark house mystery. Uh, it's basically going to be and then there were none, right? Agatha Christie shit. Uh, the everybody's a killer ending is similar to murder on the Orient express where they're all in on it. Uh, murder by death. 
I like a lot more, but it does the same thing where they're playing with tropes. Um, this leads us into Knives Out, where re- the critical, critical response and audience response to Knives Out when it came out is, oh, what a great new twist on whodunits. But <clears throat> if you're actually familiar with um, Dark House Mysteries, Cozy Mysteries, whodunits, shit like that, you'll realize that like since day one, the idea of making a twist out of the tropes is a trope itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well they've done been doing it for like 40 years at least yeah that's what murder by death does that's what clue does that's what knives out does Mur- murder on orient express fucking that's what it does at the end you know what i mean it's like so when yeah, knives, I mean, I fucking like, Agatha christian did it to herself yeah <laughs> like so i don't think it's particularly groundbreaking a clue doesn't sell itself on it being groundbreaking clues sold more now on just like how good the performances are and how funny it is which like not untrue right i called out the performances i liked and stuff but i'm this is more specifically in reference to knives out i think i've said it before knives out very well made film acted very well very interesting it's like a really cozy movie to sit down and watch like most mystery movies are but yeah i never really understood the um praise that was being lauded on it for oh they're really playing with the tropes of a whodunit it's like that's all that's been happening since the 40s <laughs> that's every single mystery whodunit that comes out is trying to trick the audience with a new twist on an existing trope while tricking the audience is a trope itself you know what i mean it's like it's not groundbreaking shit and it's not even particularly that interesting in knives out right no, I think we talked about before, like halfway through, you're like, okay, that, yep, that's him right there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Uh, Knives Out had the benefit of um, some sardonic like social commentary in the time of Trump, as it will be referred to, I guess. So I think that's why a lot of uh, the same nerds I talked about on the internet, I think that's why a lot of them praised it, because <laughs> they're willing, you know, they'll, they'll sop up any garbage. <laughs> Like oh he, he make fun of proud boys in film. It's that means clever. He's specifically taking shots at people who didn't like the Last Jedi, and I'll agree. There's a lot of people that didn't like the Last Jedi for fucking really stupid racist ass reasons and shit. But the Last Jedi wasn't a good movie, and even if it was, it's still a toy commercial. So who cares? <laughs> Don't defend that shit. No, I'm gonna defend this toy commercial. Nope, got a blind spot for capitalism. Do you? Huh? Huh? You journalists? You nerds on the internet? I don't think journalists have a necessary blind spot for capital. I think they love it as well. They have an affinity for capital. Yes, they love to consume. Despite it being um, a bad sign for things to come in the future of Hollywood, uh, uh, what I like about Clue is that even though it is just some weird brand tie-in shit that they had, they went out of their way to actually try to make it a good movie, right? No one, they're not half-assing this shit. Like, none of the cast or the crew are half-assing it. They're like, Let's make the best movie we can. John Landis was excited to do it. <clears throat> that's interesting, right? That's not that's I'm sure that's not Battleship, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of heart going into Battleship. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean it's um I don't think it's bad for those reasons. It's uh for me it's just mostly um the style of comedy doesn't connect with me all the way because I I don't know, I need like <laughs> why don't you throw a pie at someone no for me it's like it needs to be like a little bit uh darker a little bit more you want a little more edge on your comedy yeah just a little bit more this is more just... um theater hijinks sort of feeling to me <laughs> than straight up like dark comedy 
That's fair. Yeah. I like I love John Landis. I love everyone in the cast. I think everyone does a great performance. I don't think this is a terrible movie. It's just like um the qualities of it that made it a cult film aren't you aren't the things that I usually like in cult films, I guess. So it's just kind of like slightly adjacent to what I'm interested in. So I shouldn't have said I started off the podcast saying that I thought it was bad. It's just like you know, um, they no one listened through the end, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's they turned off good. right at that point. <laughs> it's not as good as I thought it was when I was like, I don't know, fifteen. Well, is anything as good as you thought it was when you're fifteen? When you go back and watch stuff, no, not a whole lot. Um, fucking Fellowship uh, of the Rings, the the killer. <laughs> <laughs> Last week's film, the killer, but yeah, Fellowship of the Ring, yeah. So I also I I put my I was imagining myself in this situation of clue not just specifically clue but uh and then there were none murder on the Orient express any of the like the dark house spooky mysteries right i was imagining myself in a situation like that we'll take clue for example because we just watched it soon as like mr body dies in air quotes and the cook is killed and then mr body's actually dead i would get just so reckless at that point I think I would just like start drinking and like <clears throat> in the movie they're all suspicious of each other and being like real careful. Not me. I think at that point I'd be like, all right, time to drink. I'm gonna get fucking buck wild. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially if I assume it's just one person, I'm probably not that. Uh, that and then that <laughs> I was thinking like even darker too, and I could see this happening with me drinking and my thoughts turning darker. It's all for all these people. Yeah, the paranoia setting in where I'm like, I know I'm not the killer, but one of these people is. So maybe I should start killing them to protect mm-hmm. myself now there's a murder mystery for you write it <laughs> copyright copyright tmtm <laughs> these are my ideas no one could write a um, drunk murder mystery as well as i could <laughs> uh so there's a fourth ending to the film that was filmed but it was removed because lynn stated it really wasn't very good i looked at it and i thought no 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 we've got to get rid of that <laughs> well, how do how do Bridgman? Oh no 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 no! no we must uh, toss it aside. Mm, yeah. We must get rid of that. Ah, so the fourth ending is Wadsworth, Tim Curry, the butler. He committed all the murders. He was motivated by his desire for perfection. Having failed to be either the perfect husband or the perfect butler, he decided to be the perfect murderer instead. Uh, so, so what he is, he murdered everybody else right there. Well, what it is is when he confesses, he also tells them that he poisoned the champagne that everyone had drank earlier. So they would soon die, leaving no witnesses. But uh, the police and the FBI arrive anyways, and Wadsworth is arrested. But he breaks free, steals a police car, and in his escape is thwarted when um, one of the dogs from earlier lunges from the back seat. So it's pretty sloppy and doesn't make any sense, but it would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing though is um also none of the other endings make sense. Make all that much sense. Yeah. If you go through the, the movie and watch it carefully, there's a lot of um inconsistencies that wouldn't add up to any of the endings, except for ending A with Miss Scarlet and Yvette being working in tandem. That one works like 90%. It mechanically makes sense in the movie. Everything else, the other two don't. So uh, what I'm saying is John Landis brought in a professional writer to fix the ending and they couldn't write a single good ending. (laughs) 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 I would fucking love to be in um, a fucking murder mystery. 
I don't want to do the pretend ones they do either. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> you know I want a real murder mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do real shit <laughs> on a train. I want people to be in fancy dresses. Everybody's smoking. Why wouldn't they be? <laughs> and I want people to get killed. You gotta that's die your, for that's, that's your Westworld. Is <laughs> no fuck yes that that I would participate in a Westworld like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, oh, me too. I'm actually I'm into it now. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Kyle. That's season three of Westworld. <laughs> I'll watch that shit. You can be uh you can be Watson. I'm I'm gonna be Holmes. All right, I guess because you're taller. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna walk with a limp. <laughs> I was wounded in Afghanistan. You have to be confused about the simplest things to make me seem smarter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. He's Even you're a fucking doctor. Yeah. <laughs> my god, he was able to climb through the chimney. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, who's I like? Um, Poirot, 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 Poirot. He doesn't yeah. necessarily have a consistent sidekick. He has one that's kind of in and out. Oh yeah, I just spent uh, compared to Sherlock Holmes. I think I like Poirot more, just because um, he I don't know. Agatha Christie's. I think we, I said this before, but I like Agatha Christie's stories better. But I think as a character, I like Holmes better. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess that's what my feeling is. Yeah, but I've always liked the Hounding of the Baskervilles. I like the um because <clears throat> uh, Arthur Conan Doyle was like super into the occult and spiritualism, <laughs> so I like when the the, the Sherlock Holmes stories that uh, rely quite a bit on spooky shit, and then it doesn't ever turn out to actually be spooky shit, but I still appreciate it. <laughs> Someone wrote um, you know how everybody since Sherlock Holmes on public domain now everybody's doing mm-hmm. fan fiction. Someone wrote uh like a uh, Sherlock Holmes the Cthulhu Files, and I always mean to read it. Oh, like he's going to solve H.P. Lovecraft stuff? Yeah. He's going to meet some Innsmouthers, fish people? It turns out it's all black people. <laughs> turns out it was racism the whole time, Watson. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Here in the oh, Americas. <laughs> racism in this greatest British kingdom? My word. Um, what do you think about the good old Cluedo, which is like, oh, they would call it that in the United Kingdom, right? <laughs> Cluedo. <laughs> Cluedo. Cluedo. That's like uh, Icky Duddykins. <laughs> Ugh, so English grows. <laughs> Die, you Anglos. <laughs> I think Cluedo is a masterpiece. It's masterpiece. F- fantastic. It's what Knives Out wishes it could be. No, I mean, like, I, I like it about as much as, like, Knives Out. Maybe a little bit yeah. more than, like, Knives Out. It's just, <clears> it's fine. I like I said, I liked it at the beginning. I enjoyed it. I'd watch it again. Mm. Um, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. It does drag in the middle. That's a fair criticism. But, I mean, what do you expect? It's, I don't know. it's a I fun time. The, the this the, I guess for me, it's just the disconnect from what I remember. And then watching it again, because I remember like the antics being completely enjoyable from start to finish. And then watching it this well, time. Well, here's the thing a lot of as, times we used to watch it as kids, we were catching it in pieces. We'd start. That's true. Yeah, because we'd just be on TV. Right. So we'd like, get, get the beginning and then we'd have to go do something else and we'd catch the middle, we catch the end. So we never really saw the whole thing start to finish more than like once or twice, I think. Yeah, because I can't recall. <clears throat> Actually, like going out of my way to watch Clue as an adult until now, so that might be one of the that might be one of the missing pieces to the puzzle. Basically, like every movie we watch on this podcast, I recommend watching it. Why not? Fucking watching movies is fun. It is just kind of boring in the middle. Basically, after they introduce all the characters, you'll be bored for a while. 
that's a i mean there's there's two problems with movies you know sometimes it's the third act just kind of goes awry or the middle is boring this one's got the middle is boring and the third act doesn't go awry but um it doesn't resolve anything and it just kind of doesn't matter but then at the end of the day you're like it's okay because that's kind of the whole point yeah that's what <laughs> my feeling on the whole thing the beginning yeah. doesn't matter the middle drags the end doesn't matter plus like at a metal level it makes sense with the concept of the game right because it's the answer to who did it is different every time you play it you know right and it doesn't make yeah. sense so that's fun i know the that was used as like a money-making gimmick that didn't pan out but it also fits in with the idea of it being a board game which i think is still kind of cute i don't know check it out i'm sure everyone's seen clue anyways though right i got kind of at this point it's one of those cult classics that's like not really cult anymore yeah, it's more like um, it flopped hard when it came out, and then kids like us in the '90s caught it on TV, and now all most millennials know about it and kind of like it, rather than being a cult film. I would say six out of ten <clears throat> stars. Because the cult film would be like, <clears throat> I'd be like, hey, you feel like watching Silent Night, Deadly Night to like some friend or whatever, and they'd have no fucking idea what that movie is, right? But if I was like, hey, you feel like watching Clue? 95 percent of people i would talk to around my age are going to be be kind of aware of clue right yeah that's generally yeah. feelings. i mean silent night was probably a little bit more popular than it used to be but 100 percent clue is more well silent deadly night too specifically because of the memes right from garbage day <laughs> garbage day but even that's kind of niche too because that was just um that seems like it was that was like we before internet, before yeah. youtube area era of the internet right yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, so, YouTube might have been just starting out. Yeah, well, it was like 2003, 2004. So that's even like kind of niche internet culture at this point. So mm-hmm. interesting how interesting how time flies, times change. I don't. We kind of were on the front line of the internet, to be honest. We were like way too young to be on the internet back in like 1995, but we were doing it. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> you, me, and Al Gore. <clears throat> yep. That's clue for you though. Nineteen eighty-five. Fucking get in and get out and drop in, or drop out. Drop acid. Drop ass and drop out. Drop ass. Ass. Yeah. Drop ass. 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 You'll fuck Donald Trump. I like white people, but I don't like you. Says it all. That song's pretty good though. Don't fuck don't ever dare try to play the remix with Macklemore though. Fucking don't put that shit. Uh, there's don't a remix you, with Macklemore? Yeah. Don't you dare put that shit on. Kyle, I don't know what the problem is. Macklemore is the only rapper with something to say. <laughs> oh man, he fucking Kendrick it Lamar. Is. Kendrick Lamar lost a Grammy to his stupid ass. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. Good kid, Mad City. Fucking yeah, right. Macklemore. Oh my god. Good Kid Mad City is the best fucking West Coast like rap album, hip hop album of like all time, in my opinion, or at least like top five. I'm just gonna lose fucking Macklemore because he fucking he went to the thrift shop or whatever. <laughs> no, no, because he had that song where he's like, you know, I, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. gay, but I like gay people. <laughs> yeah. First of all, no homo, but let me tell you about how it <laughs> Yeah. That was lampooned quite well in um the Lonely Island movie, right? Pop star. Oh, I still haven't seen Lonely Island. The um, you never the seen Popstar? Pop I still haven't seen Popstar. No, yeah, I've we talked about this before. There's a whole breadth of movies from like when All I first kids started having kids, kids. Yeah. yeah, to to now that I haven't seen. 
Popstar is pretty good. I like it a lot. It has a cameo with Joanna Newsom, who is, uh, of course, married well, to Andy duh. Sandberg. <laughs> this is ridiculous, man. My she's, wife's in this movie with me. <laughs> she's way too cute and talented for Andy Sandberg. I'll never believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he seems like he's a cool dude, despite being on SNL. Um, and now he's in like cute copaganda, but I still like Brooklyn Nine Nine too, even though it's cops. They're gonna retool the show, and they're gonna be postal workers now. Oh, really? No, but that'd be great, right? <laughs> that would be like a very American thing to do. That solves no problems. Ah. <laughs> uh. Um, speaking of America and our inability to solve problems so that they go on generation after generation, next week we're going to be watching um, our first Sergio Leone film. It is, in fact, going to be his uh, 1984 epic, his last epic, highly acclaimed film. Oh, shit. I was going to watch this the other day. I'm glad I didn't know. Go ahead. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in America. Hell yeah. I uh, do have to put out a content warning for this one. There's quite a bit of sexual assault in it. And um, it's also like through over three hours long. Oh man, yeah, it's this is him going. This is ah, a, I do an epic now. <laughs> well, yeah, this is literally like the most literal interpretation of epic in that it's just long. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a really good movie. Um, <clears throat> I've sat down and watched this movie all the way through multiple times at this point. I think um, it is particular to my tastes because I do like Sergio Leone a lot and I like gangster shit a lot. So to me, it's like a really easy movie to get through despite its length. But I don't know. Fair warning to anyone else. I don't know. If people like The Irishman, they should like this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm a it's, better than, it's better than The Irishman, though. Uh, I have to watch The Irishman. It's had a long time since I watched it. So maybe, maybe it is better than that. I, I fucking love Once Upon a Time in America. Something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. It might be a pretty serious episode. Who knows? Who knows? It all depends on how I'm feeling. But yeah, I am just really excited to watch it. Um, man, you can fucking get high as shit and watch it, which I'm going to. Here's what happened. Um, Arizona passed. Oh, hell yeah. For all. Fuck it. I'm super psyched about that. Though. Fucking 207 recreation marijuana here at come because, um, man, I'm smoking now like I haven't smoked since I was like 19 or 20. <clears throat> what happened is um, we started streaming on twitch right and i was giving myself the allowance to like um i'll just drink on the weekend like one day on the weekend blah blah not a big deal fortunately though i'm an alcoholic so in the back of my mind i was constantly like oh like well if i keep a lot of myself like one day a week then that's gonna turn into like two days on the weekend and then maybe it'll be wednesday on and the weekend because that's been the general trajectory of my uh, relationship with alcohol most of my life so I was like, you know what? Instead, I'll just smoke weed. And then the thing was smoking weed, all day. Yeah, the thing with smoking weed though is if I end up smoking weed like all day every day, it's really not going to hinder the, hinder me that much. I think at most it's going to provide me with uh, more material for the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll watch that next week. Um, I don't. We weren't on Twitch this week. I don't know if we'll be on this week. I keep like not thinking of any movies to watch or anything like that, but. There's uh, there's like an ongoing election this week, just never <laughs> stop. We should have streamed uh, election results on Twitch. That seems like what everybody's popular doing. That is what everyone is doing. And I was like, fuck these guys. Suck. Why? How, how could 
Uh, how many people do you need to hear regurgitate the same opinions? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> do you think there's going to be a big difference between watching the Chapo election coverage and the Austin election coverage? I don't think so, man. <laughs> I mean, straight up, do you think there's going to be a big difference between watching the Chapo election coverage or the MSNBC or the fucking Fox News election coverage when it fucking comes down to it? No. no. <clears throat> I mean, the jokes will be better on Chapo. <laughs> They don't, even, they don't even have jokes on him. I said. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever heard Brian Williams? Every once in a while, he cracks wise. I don't know who Brian Williams is. You do too. <laughs> who is he? He's been a newsman since you were a child. Brian Williams? Yes, he's the guy that got in trouble for lying about getting shot at in Iraq. I thought that was Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke for him. <laughs> Hell yeah! You can expect more of that on the Chopper Trap House election stream. <clears throat> that is a, that is a classic yeah. Chopper Trap House <laughs> joke. If we do end up streaming on Twitch, it'll be Friday. Um, yeah, because we, we're it's gonna be we're gonna do it at uh, we're doing it at uh, nine our time, which is Arizona, because we're smart. Oh, yeah. We got rid of daylight savings time and all that bullshit a long time ago. We'll be eight. Yeah, we, we voted for Biden, unlike some of you dumbasses. <laughs> so it's gonna be nine our time. You rest, you can figure it out. I mean, the whole state didn't vote for Biden. It was mostly Maricopa County. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and what, what's oh, the county? Tucson. That, Tucson. Yeah. And then Apache, because there's all those Native Americans there. Yeah, but uh, here's the thing, too, is, like, don't even pat Maricopa too hard on the back, because Tucson itself is, like, actually fucking way more left-wing and radical than fucking Phoenix area is. So. Oh, 100%. Or even Flagstaff, too. Yeah. Really. Tucson, I mean, like, you're just mostly, like, a giant parking lot, and your supposed waterfalls that I've been brought to kind of suck. But I do appreciate like, <laughs> how radical you are down there, Tucson. <laughs> it's Arizona, Kyle. They're impressed by a small amount of water. Yeah, so it'll be um, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, if we do it on f f Friday. Well, we'll try to do it this week. I'll try to think of something to watch. And then um, other than that, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Our website is vhscult.com. We'd love to get some emails from you. Um, uh, hopefully someone starts a subreddit for the podcast soon. I don't want to do it myself. That seems embarrassing. Someone could do um Facebook fan page, you know, all that shit. So, you know, fucking rate and review, tell your friends and family. Yeah, I'm definitely not doing a Facebook fan page. Well, I don't yeah, I don't even have I haven't had a Facebook in fucking years. But uh yeah, tell everyone you know, get the word out. Now that Trump's gone and Biden's president. You're gonna all the, everything is fucking good again. It's back to brunch, baby, and who knows brunch <laughs> like VHS cult. I've Man, had I, I've had I, plenty I of bloody marys now. in my day. I want to I want I want a mimosa and some some fucking pancakes, some sausage, and now I want a bloody mary, but or at least a chilada, a chilada. That's VHS cult for you. <laughs>